Welcome to Overboost 60. Overboost is a speedrunner interview podcast, but this time I am not interviewing a speedrunner. I'm interviewing a uh, a game developer. Is that a, is that a fair is it fair to say that is that okay? There's, there's so many titles that could <laughs> be applied to me, including Eldritch Entity, but mm-hmm. game developer works as good All as right. any. Excellent, uh, Zalvir Nelson Jr. Uh, at Rit Nelson, who uh, I know primarily, I think for. Uh, your narrative work on Hypnospace Outlaw, which I played and loved, and then also for being the developer of uh, an airport for aliens currently run by dogs, uh, which I have also streamed and and speedrun. Actually, was I think maybe the first time I got code for a game, which was also just a fun experience. You know, as I mean, I I love I do all this stuff, the podcasting and the speedrunning. You know, it's it's my hobby. It's you know what I what I do for I am able to afford the luxury of doing it for fun which is a nice place to be uh for all the sins that i commit in my day job uh and so part of my pitch to to zalvir here was that i wanted to invite him on to have a discussion that features a speedrunner and a developer uh in this era of the internet everyone is like a click away from each other for for better and worse and a thing I want to encourage is, you know, people to be more empathetic about what's going on with with folks who are who are making games, publishing games, uh, etc. I think in speedrunning there has been a conscious effort to be more empathetic. Um, if you are a runner at a major event now, uh, you'll get ex- expressly told, "Do not in your commentary say something like." the developers were lazy. Don't do that. That is express guidance that I, I received when I was a runner at, at AGQ 2021. And it's good. It's good guidance. I mean, as a, as a basic for, you know, for, for being courteous and professional, but like also, you, you know, there's so much that goes on so many, you know, studios and games at different sizes and ages and all that, uh, that it's just not, it's not, I don't think it's useful. I, I discourage people in my chat whenever they, they, whenever they use lazy, I get on their case right away. I just jump on them. Um, so along those lines, I wanted to start doing some episodes where possible with developers, uh, as a quick introduction for maybe people who wouldn't find this via Zalvir. Uh, I've been speedrunning for about five years. Just cause three was my first speed run. Since then I've done all sorts of things. I've done, uh, late nineties, uh, games, early two thousands, the, the diehard first person shooter from Piranha games who now makes Mech Warrior. Hey. Yep. Um, I, and I've done, a, I've done all, uh, you know, our, our armored core. I did do just cause one, which I think is a delightfully sixth generation game, uh, which I think really uh, iterates on GTA in a, in a fascinating way. Uh, and you know, I hope to keep doing those things uh, into the future. Recently, I've also tried to do a better job of getting into indie games. Uh, Teardown has been a big one for me. And the other one that I've had a lot of fun with was, uh, I'm going to say dog airport game. <laughs> Right. Yes, the 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 approved abbreviation, the approved uh, short used by everybody to save uh, voice breath words <laughs> of the, the limited amount of life we have on this mm-hmm. planet. Mm-hmm. Now, Zalvir, can you give me a, a quick introduction? Let's say there is a, a speedrunner friend of mine who watches this, doesn't know exactly who you are. What's your introduction for them? My speedy introduction for them is that I am a uh, BAFTA-nominated person who has worn uh, a bunch of hats 
from uh, Studio Head, where I'm working on such things as an airport for aliens currently run by dogs, Space World Organ Training Simulator, or the recently revealed E3 El Paso Elsewhere. Uh, and I do a bunch of narrative direction, writing, and game developing in other uh, arenas uh, for such games as Hypnospace Outlaw, Skatebird, Reigns Beyond, uh, We Are the Caretakers, and literally dozens of other titles. I have over 50 games under my belt. I've been making games for five years. And uh, my work is not only prolific, but tends to stray into the weird, the nuanced, and making you cry at the uh, least opportune moments. Excellent. No, I, I, that is. I I also find it interesting that I feel like uh, Dog Airport captures a lot of those qualities that you just mentioned. You know, which is which is fun and exciting. It is a game that I can recommend to other folks for for various reasons, uh, which which we'll get into. But first. I want to ask about some some general speedrunning takes because one of the things that interested me when I was tweeting and being very social on the Twitter about Dog Airport was I think at one point after my first run I tweeted out a screenshot of like my my final times for the, my first run first completed run and uh, I think you had a, a tweet it was either a quote tweet or a tweet in response uh, where you said hey you know i've seen this game with splits on it now and that was something that you enjoyed seeing i think was uh what you said in so many words and so i get some sense that you know uh, about speedrunning and certainly i think before we started the the formal recording you mentioned uh speedrunning for dropsy where did where did you learn about speedrunning what when does speedrunning enter onto your radar as a as a niche in gaming speedrunning um I, I have always been fascinated by the ways in which speedrunning opens up a different way of even considering a game. As soon as you start taking your eyes off of what a game is quote-unquote actually about mm-hmm. and saying, what do the systems say? What do they allow? It exposes some really interesting things. There are some of the best games of all time, things that are genuinely great things to add to the human uh, cast of work which are not good speedrun games. Straight up, just not fun or enjoyable from that perspective. And then there's others, which, you know, you can beat a game in sometimes uh, less than a minute. <laughs> you just tear it apart uh, from the inside out. And uh, I, I appreciate that the terminology is changing from the term lazy, because mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, what we see, I see especially lately is developers saying... I'm leaving this in as a treat. Like the less we get away from the idea of quote unquote perfect games, because there is no such thing. Mm -hmm. The more we have the ability to look at something like this is a really weird behavior that happens when these two things interact. If I didn't don't take this out, this gives someone, it's basically a conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is what you can sometimes feel missing from AAA games. I love AAA games. I think there's a lot of artistry put into them, but they have this immense pressure to like fit into this compressed marketable box uh, of polish that when you don't have that, as in from software games, when you can just open up the door to the buck wild and the strange and sometimes outright broken, that is in itself a communication, a conversation you can have with the player with everything that you left in and all the invisible things that were taken away in the process were polished up to provide the ideal experience. So um, haven't done much speedrunning myself. Mm. Haven't watched a whole bunch of speedrunning, but I have a massive appreciation for the community, the philosophy and really enabling people to do uh, 
wild and fantastic stuff within the bounds of the experience that you built. We'll give one one more softball question, which is, you know, it sounds like as you said that you haven't haven't watched too much. Have you ever tuned into any of the the big events? Because you know, the normal routine for this podcast is that I'm interviewing a speedrunner and I ask them how they got into speedrunning, and 75 percent of the time. I saw a GDQ VOD on YouTube, a Games Done Quick event VOD, which is going on right now, of course, uh, GDQ 2021 as we're recording this. Uh, have you tuned in any of those events? Have you any runs sort of stuck in your in your brain as a as an example of the kind of stuff you're talking about? Uh, I've t- tuned into a couple of those events. I happened because I have very weird sleep schedules for a variety of reasons. <laughs> uh, I always happen to catch their weird uh, segment. Mm-hmm. So, um, for some reason, I managed to hit a GDQ when it was doing several Shrek games in a row. And the joke among my friend group now is that every time I hop into GDQ, they happen to be showing a, 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 a Shrek game. It's a cosmic coincidence. So, um, seeing the ways in which those games, which are peak game dev efficiency, right? They mm. have to get a thing out of the door by the time Shrek 2 comes out. Uh, they want to make something of quality, but also uh, the more verbs they add to the game, the more volatile this rickety foundation already <laughs> becomes. So you can pull some really interesting things out of that foundation. Um, yeah, and I and I, I, I've watched that, and and I love it. Yeah, no, what you're talking about was actually really relevant uh, because part of the inspiration for me to to pitch this format was another runner named uh, Matt Matt. Did uh did like a several hours of Q and A with Tom Forsyth about Blade Two that was developed yes. by, by Monkey Foot. Uh, very interesting, and you know a lot of what you just mentioned, you know, in a compact form, in terms of the desire to you know to make a good game to kind of meet the commercial objectives as well as the you know the the, the personally fulfilling objectives. Uh, you know, Tom described those uh, very very well, and it was a lot of fun. Blade Two also a great speed run. <laughs> Blade 2 is fascinating for a lot of reasons. I've talked to Tom a little bit about myself, and it was funny. Uh, when he relates stories of, like, we te- the only place you jump in the entire game is in the tutorial where it teaches you how to jump. <laughs> uh, not only is that br- does that become more brutally relevant the further I get into my game dev career, um, but I think he's also related to this story publicly when it comes to AI. But... Um, the exact same issue they had with Vampire AI in Blade 2. And I, I won't say it because I'm not sure if it's in my place to say, but the exact same thing, mm-hmm. uh, which can be described as Vampire Conga, also happened to us on El Paso Elsewhere, <laughs> which is a supernatural third-person shooter. So I'm thinking that there is something at the heart of pretty much every vampire game um, that when we put all the answers together... We will un- we will discover that there is some greater cosmic entity that's been messing with all of us at the same time because it's the exact same issue that has happened on several different teams making vampire focused action games at this point that I've spoken to. It's it should <laughs> not be possible. <laughs> I I do remember that story. I, I do I, I I I would have to go back and listen to that vod to confirm, but I do think. Tom talked about that AI story, but of course, if you want the full the full story, you'll have to you know to look up the uh, the video on on Matt Match channel. Uh, of course, also shout out to Matt Matt who I think just did a Max Payne two run. 
uh, during SGDQ as well. You know, I mean, that's a, people know about that game, uh, but it, again, still you know, still a classic and still a fun run. Um, we've I feel like we've already brushed up against this subject a few times. You, I think you mentioned the idea of uh, you know r- realizing and appreciating that there's never going to be a a perfect game, perfect in terms of like intended operation. Uh, it's common enough uh, in in speedrunning, especially when you're showing speedrunning to new people or uh, or you know a larger audience. That you have a lot of people who say, "Well, that's they're cheating. They're not really you know they're not really doing." And of course, the thing I say, "Well, there is a glitchless category. Like people who do want to do it in a way that they view as intended will do it." Do you have any feelings about uh, glitches, intentionality in in games from your talk about? Uh, you know, speedrunning being a new way of running with the mechanics, my feeling is that you're pretty open to this, but tell me what you think. Yeah, as long as it doesn't result in a negative Steam review, Mm. uh, I'm super open to, like, for example, someone glitching through the floor and seeing the geometry uh, of a world, in some cases, as with uh, when you tunneled through (laughs) Patsville. Yeah. there's legitimate lore behind mm-hmm. how and why that all exists. Uh, that explains that I would rather given the choice of hiding everything behind the curtain and, or like opening up and maybe even like sneaking people inside to give them a peek. I, I'm, I'm, I'm much prefer to uh, give people not just the tools, but the pers- as much perspective as possible on the worlds that we're there within. Um, glitchless is, extremely impressive whenever it happens but i find again as long as it doesn't come with uh criticism or harassment towards Mm -hmm. the developer especially because often this can be left in or was something that they didn't have the budget or time to like patch up and it was left with almost the intention of hey someone will find this maybe they'll get a kick out of it as opposed to it being a thing to beat up the developer later i think that those are really valuable ways of even reminding us of why video games are special. Um, I cannot do a glitchless speed run of uh, Citizen Kane, but you can <laughs> do that for such games as an airport for aliens can run by dogs. Is an airport for aliens can run by dogs better than Citizen Kane? You'd be the judge. But it is something that games as a medium uniquely uh, has as opposed to anything else. And I think actually for this example i think one of the best if i want to introduce someone to speedrunning mm-hmm. the first thing i would show them is the american dad speedrun are you familiar with that a, a little bit i think i i there was a period of time in speedrun content generation where where people were iterating on this with videos that were memes yes and i i have to admit i might be a cranky old man who tuned a lot of this out <laughs> But if you want to explain it, I will dutifully listen and appreciate. So the so the American Dad intro works in a very specific way. It's by the creator of Family Guy, blah, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. Someone overlays a speed run talking about it and explain their speed run. And then the community doing a constant yes and with every video of like finding ways of breaking that or like how the GameCube version has a special skip or whatever else. Different ways of... Um, quote unquote speed running this static video content is a perfect insight into the way that that does form a conversation between a community, a developer and a piece of work. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if I wanted to show anyone like what speedrunning is philosophically, that's a really good, very absurdist starting point. Um, outside of you know the incredible, like excellent, quote unquote, real content that exists in the speedrunning <laughs> space. No, I, I think you're right too, and I think you're right to to, to maybe point out the the necessary uh, abrasiveness that can come from it too, because I think with, with some of these games, uh, let's like say like RPGs or something like that. Uh, you know, people might think turn-based RPGs, you want to take it slow, you want to grind, you want to do this and that. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, people push through it. People, I mean, skip cutscenes, like, you know, as, as uh, where possible. Uh, and so I think that certainly uh, makes sense in terms of, uh, you know, what, what you can <laughs> what you can get away with uh, in doing that. Um, so, cause, and I think you mentioned the other thing I want to uh, respond to as well is you mentioned the issue of, um, you don't want to, you do want to, fix things that are going to necessarily create a negative experience for a broad number of people. I'm not going to mention the game, but like when I have this conversation with folks trying to encourage them to understand why something or something would not be patched, uh, there was a game, a horror game I could think of that had issues where many people doing Let's Plays were just falling out of bounds. They were just falling through the map, and it was interfering with their ability to progress in the game. Uh, it was fixed. And then it became much harder to, you know, to do skips in the game and, and interest in speedrunning the game fell off. But, you know, that was probably the right decision, you know, to make a game that is at least, you know, to some extent, uh, you know, more more playable. And so that's, you know, something I try to encourage there. Now, I will say, um, I, I did want to ask if you were familiar with the uh, the historical example of accelerated backhopping. If I say that phrase, does that have any meaning to you? It sounds familiar, but it, uh, it, it's more like it tickles a memory as opposed mm-hmm. to uh, invokes one. So in Half Life Two, there was bunny hopping. No surprise. Yep. Uh, and I I don't know the exact chain of events. I'm not going to place blame on anyone at Valve, but there was a patch that input a sort of offset to prevent an acceleration over time from bunny hopping. However, you just you heard the the word I use there, offset. So the offset's pushing in a certain direction. What happens if you're just facing the other direction? <laughs> Accelerated back hopping, you know, and you go even faster now. It's just that you don't look where you're going. <laughs> so the 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 reason I bring that story up is just um I think to illustrate that I I don't necessarily perceive a um I, I'm not proposing a gold standard of how a, a speedrunner and developer should interact. I don't know if such a thing exists. Much like I enjoy the video games to be chaotic, I also you know, re- respect uh, the developer or developers to do what they feel they need to do is the best thing for their game. And sometimes it creates an exciting cat and mouse. Um, so I, I bring that up again just to, to reiterate from, from my perspective that I, I am totally ready to give the wherewithal for y'all to do the best thing for your games and sometimes you might make things worse and that's exciting too yeah it's it's really introducing like or taking away the idea of like better and worse Mm -hmm. uh i've i've seen developers that specifically made their game to be speed ran and speedrunners didn't particularly go for it uh dog airport game we didn't know whether or not people would speed run it uh we Thought we just we we made a variety of interesting item interactions 
for players to have fun with. Um, the average player, not the person mm-hmm. trying to take advantage of that. And we were like, if someone wanted to, they could do some wild stuff, but we didn't like plan around that because we had seen other games where they had been like, oh, a speedrunners could do this. And it's like, you, that's like setting up a like brick path, a really nice brick path where speedrunners already naturally want to go through the grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is what we're seeing here and what I would suggest to others as the road to a speed running or speed runnable game or a interaction between a speed runner and a speed running community and a developer is um, exactly what we touched on at the beginning of this, which is it isn't good or bad. It is simply everyone else can have a quote unquote normal experience, but the more you enable people to play within the bounds of the rules you've created, the more interesting the game is going to be as a, as a result. And in, in general, you're interested, your quote unquote normal players are going to run into interesting edge cases that are going to build memorable experiences within the game. And then you're going to have speedrunners and people who want to like boundary break or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, who are finding, uh, things at the exact same time uh, the more we enable people to uh, gain unique experiences out of our singular games uh, the more unique experiences you can have within this one thing the more fun you even have building the game in my experience I have a very weird speedrunning comment that you're going to appreciate, hopefully, which is it's pretty common in speedrunning to refer to uh, any sort of leaving the intended area in a 3D game as going out of bounds. That's just kind of, you know, usually the language uh, often abbreviated to OB. Uh, boundary break is a term that I, I see rarely ever in speedrunning circles, but I, I cap it on occasionally when I'm on YouTube just... Sometimes I go on YouTube, if I'm working on a game, I'm just like, name the game, glitches. And, you know, and I just see where it takes me. Sometimes you find stuff from, you know, especially for games from the early 2000s, you'll find someone, you know, some no-name channel that no one's touched for, you know, 15 years has this perfect glitch that you're going to try and reproduce now. Uh, And when I was researching 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, uh, there was (laughs) one such video of a person who had an out-of-bounds glitch in Blood on the Sand. Uh, which I was able to reproduce. Uh, it hasn't been useful yet, uh, but maybe I'll get back <clears> to that game someday. Uh, it was definitely an interesting one. You had to you had to get on top of a barrel and then kick the barrel while you were on top of it, and that enabled you to cruise through the wall. <laughs> Getting on top of the barrel is the hard part, though. That's the very difficult part. Um, so fun. You did touch on something else though that I wanted to bring up. Part of the part of the thing with this format. And addressing developers is that it is very common, especially on our speedrun, to see developers express this desire to accommodate to speedrunners. Speedrunners are a visible niche. They're putting out stuff. They take your game to GDQ. I mean, I, I don't know if appearances at, at an event like GDQ benefit games. Square Enix is not going to tell me if more people bought Just Cause 3 after GDQ 21. But, you know, may, maybe it does. Maybe, maybe there's that perception as well. Could be. And a thing that whenever I encounter those developers, uh, you know, they'll leave a post on our speedrun. And the thing I'll usually tell them is that, you know, maybe there's some quality of life stuff that if it's in your budget, 
that you can do good having individual safe slots like in dog airport is a wonderful boon and i appreciated that the moment i saw it uh but you know ultimately you got to make a fun game that people want to play and it's going to attract the people the kind of person who plays that game you know like, like for me i love first person perspective games with like goofy movement mechanics so like of course that worked out for me uh, I, I don't give 2D platformers the time of day, so I'm never, I'm never gonna touch one of those. I'm sorry, it's just, just you know, it's just not my, not my thing. Um, with, um, with that idea though of, you know, from a, I guess from a developer's perspective, I think you already basically answered this in terms of whether or not uh, a speed running impacts uh, game development. The one thing, the one question I had beyond that, because I feel like you already, you already treated that. Was one of the things that I feel like a lot is that speedrunning on the scale of things is still extremely niche. I don't know what the impact of speedrunning is to a broader audience. And sometimes I'll encounter a rude speedrunner that when they see a game be patched, feels like, oh, why aren't they supporting their, you know, their speedrun community? And I say, like, well, look, you're seeing this in the wrong way multiple ways. And I try to settle the person down. But I wanted to ask for you as a developer. How big of a deal is speedrunning? For me, at least personally, speedrunning is its not so much that I'm trying to cater to the speedrunning community. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that can be patronizing uh, as well as um, misguided because you're making a game for speedrunners. And speedrunners are, at the end of the day, people who play games that they like. Yep. You will speedrun a game that is possibly... Not a great speed run because you like the game so much that you want to engage in a totally new way. For me, the role speed running plays in development is very quietly, very quickly thinking of, okay, for someone who wants to uh, the way I think about, about it is almost like a, the architect of a castle. Mm-hmm. here's the drawbridges here's the moat this is for everybody else but there's gonna be some sneaky motherfucker <laughs> excuse my language who wants to dig underneath the castle and at this point i'm talking directly to them it's it's a way it's a new way of it, it's basically stretching the way i'm looking at a game I, I, i'm right now i'm working on a tactics game and in a similar way i'm thinking about unit synergies and abilities i am specifically thinking of what does a player who is looking for a strange experience out of this core experience, what enables them to do things that are cool? What enables me to do things that are as special or interesting in the middle of a playthrough? What are mistakes I can make that end up resulting in interesting consequences? Speedrunning for me is every so often while I'm designing a feature, while I'm making a level, while I'm building some core of the game, just slightly tilting my head and saying what opportunities are there to go a little bit different. That's why um, there's one level in uh, the game actually, which is a result of a lot of iteration mm-hmm. in Beachwell, which is one of the first airports you go to in an airport for aliens currently run by dogs uh, or dog airport game. Cause I'm, I'm tired of saying it. <laughs> dog airport game. The very, one of the first levels you come to is called Beachwell. It has a giant swimming pool. Originally, there was a this floating block of water that stretched between two of the uh, 
outward branches with the gates. Mm -hmm. And it ruined the aesthetic. Mm. I really like the feature of like being able to like leap into that thing of water and be able to maybe even use it to do something interesting in terms of navigating this quite large space, especially early in the game and showing that possibility. But no matter how it looked, it didn't look good. So in interest of preserving the aesthetic and interest of providing the intended experience, I took that out. Um, and I brought it to a different level, yes, which is Marinara the trench. Marinara Trench. Yep. And I put a little... Uh, security uh barrier next to it like hey don't step off here in a little opening and it was like okay proceed um and that one is and that's and and it wasn't in a a place where it didn't ruin the aesthetic of the level especially when you first get into it it is tantalizing because you can't just run and jump into it you have to have some sort of effect on you Mm -hmm. um it provides an opportunity for something a little bit strange. And for most players, just seeing it in the first place makes them tilt their head and look at the game in a new way. And the more you can get people to do that head tilt, in my experience, the more they, even if they don't finish the game, find something to be passionate about within it. To tell someone else, be like, there was this floating blob of water and the security gate next to it. And then I threw a skull into it and it just like hung there floating. Don't know why, but that's a story. And really all we're doing as human beings, uh, as we face our inevitable death is telling each other interesting stories. It's true. I don't want to tell you the story of how you, I don't want to tell you the story of how you upgrade your gun plus five. I want to see how you manage to find some glitch that let you fire the gun, every bullet in the gun at the same time under very special conditions to one shot a boss. That's an interesting story for both of us. So let's do it. I didn't even know that was a block of water for a long time. And then one time when I was doing the thing, which I'll show off soon, where I just jump from one terminal to the other, I accidentally landed in it. I was like, oh, this is water. (laughs) I didn't know that. What did you think it was? I, I, I just... I Well, okay. I I play a lot of violent games, and I realize Dog Airport really isn't that violent, but I still thought it was certain death. Like, I was like, I'm going to die if I go in that. I can't go in that. That's going to... That's going to do something. I know there isn't death in this game, but, like, it's it's still... It looks terrifying. It's, it's, a, it's, a, da- it's a big red Eldritch block. Right? It is like this. a jello cube. I, I'm not jumping into a jello cube. Yeah, this is. I've watched enough safety videos. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, it sounds like I think we're pretty much uh, close to. Oh, you know, a few. I, I put out a call for uh, you know, for other speed friends of mine to you know relay any sort of questions that they had. Um, and, I, and there's this, I think, concern uh, among speedrunners, and this is also grows that I think the more we see uh, early access, beta testing, things like that, uh, the the extent to which players engage in the things that they perceive, I'm going to emphasize that they perceive as QA. Um, and of course, in speedrunning, the thing I, w- I would I would tell that person is that in a speedrun, generally speaking, you only see the useful things that we find. You know, as you know. I have found some things that were not useful, uh, but still very fun. Uh, so, you know, some of which were, were removed, and I, uh, I I forget what else I, I might have said. I mean, obviously, the, the out of bounds stuff is, 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 as you said yourself, is you know fine, fine to be left in. Um, 
when it comes to like is there any sort of relationship between speedrunning and and QA that you would express to this this concerned speedrunner that they either like that they're doing QA or or anything along those lines as i said before i i think of QA as something very different than speedrunning only almost surface level related but you know maybe you have a, a different take on this in most cases QA and speedrunning are very different mm-hmm. um QA people are not able to necessarily play the game in most instances we they find the mundane stuff like i'm gonna go actually to the dog airport game uh qa tracker uh and uh, yes okay so I'm going to go to the security tracker and find some of the things that our, our QA feed people, the fantastic people at Astralore LLC, uh, found in terms of uh, QA. Uh, game crashes when boarding flight for Patsville. Falling through the floor Marinara Trench. Uh, game does not recognize profile change in constrained mode on Xbox. Uh... Let's see. Um, play button causes a double teleport. Hold position of the snow cone appears broken. Uh, floor texture appears misaligned on Patsville. Uh, bottom of big coffee is transparent. Cage dog appears in Phobos. Krista does not inform player piano instant prior to piano dialogue option. Um, a lot of these are not the things like I used a soda and a coffee and to get, I hopped into a ramp and then it slipped me shoot through light speed. Um, Yeah. Phobos VIP lounge furniture disappears. It's, it's only QA to the same degree that you would call anything QA, Mm -hmm. which is we have the valuable interaction now as developers and players that I can look at a video or a stream or a speed run and sometimes see things that need to be fixed or that we would want to fix to provide an even better experience. One early uh, stream of the game showed that the big uh, fire hydrant in uh, Patsville um, in the cricket quarter, you could not like deface it accurately because it had a, a square collider instead of a mesh collider. And there was a lot of reasons that we'd made it a square collider originally, but seeing in that moment, Oh, the player would get so much more value. If it was a mesh collider, I get to just, do that change and put it into the next patch. And that isn't QA on the player's part. It's a conversation. Mm-hmm. So uh, for anyone who is concerned about speedrunning QA, you're finding uh, the interesting stuff. At worst, you're finding the interesting stuff after QA has done things like found that the photo text on cosmic photo text misaligned. The text description on the bottom of each cosmic photo is misaligned, extending beyond the border of the photograph. Just the tiny little uh details or straight up like breakages or game breaking behavior that um most that because it was fixed by the valiant efforts of QA uh you get to actually play the game instead of fall endlessly through a floor uh and die. Mhm. Yeah, a actually worse die. Than death and a game yeah. without death. Really. <laughs> That's uh, that happens sometimes. I remember, remember when I was playing Teardown, I managed to knock over a tower and then get stuck inside a a, uh, a, a exitless cube inside the tower, which was a real um, 
<laughs> striking experience. I didn't know how to get out. Uh, that was alarming. But, you know, that sometimes that happens. And, you know, collision is hard in a destruction-based game. That's fine. Uh, no, I, I was that was good. And the one other thing that I would follow up before we get over to the live reaction um, to the, the uh, you know, to doing a dog airport speedrun, which I definitely want to get into, uh, I had one very, this is maybe too specific to be asked, but I wanted to bring it up just sort of a awareness for the appreciation of, um, you know, a, a you or anyone else in development. I mentioned in the beginning that I, I knew you were aware of speedrunning because you made a comment about splits being in, you know, on, on the game feed. And a thing uh, that a lot of speedrunners will do is they create utilities. Uh, if I said an auto splitter, do you know what that means, or can you infer what that means? I'm assuming it is something that hooks into RAM that whenever there is a change in RAM, a major change in RAM state, it automatically splits that up so that when you, after you do your first playthrough of the game, you can look at all of those differing states and remove, name them, etc. Yeah, I, mean, it's, I think it's basically the idea, right? Is that is that instead of you know if I'm if I'm playing a game of ten missions, I can find values in memory such that, you know, at, at its simplest, the flag that says mission one is complete. And when that flag is noticed being set, it will do the split for me. It will it will mark that first segment complete. Um, and then, of course, the other part of this that is often automated, uh, because PCs, there are so many of them, and they're all so different, and they come in so many sizes, they're not necessarily going to have the same load times. And in the interest of fairer competition... Uh, people will write load removers, meaning that the timer will pause when it determines that a load screen or you know some other way of, of determining this is present. And you know, sort of uh, another utility for doing that. Um, and so uh, you know, and so I'm I'm mentioning this first as as a PSA, and then uh, with memory in mind, uh, I I forget I haven't tried to write an auto splitter myself. I should I can do more research on this question if I do one of these again, but I believe there are some. It, it can be the case that it is difficult to find a memory address. You know, it's just not easy to do for whatever reason. I, I feel like I've heard certain uh, common engines. I want to say it's Unity that really drives people up the wall, but I don't know that for sure. So don't Unity, you're you're still fine. I, I like you, um, but the point is, for I, I guess what I'm bringing up is. First off, you know, speedrunners root around in memory to do these things. It's pretty pretty common that people will try to write one of these. Uh, and then the other comment was, um, now obviously, if it's a game with like a multiplayer component or something, that's also the way you do cheat engine. So like, chances are, you probably don't want, you don't want people doing that. You'll, you'll want, don't want them to be playing around in memory like that. Um, are there other reasons you want, wouldn't want people to play around in memory like that? Is that a thing that you can, that you would be able to elaborate at all or i mean if you just want to respond to the idea of auto splitters and load removers you can also do that auto splitters and load removers sound uh honestly buck wild it's difficult <laughs> enough making a game reverse engineering a game to do that that just makes me that even just hearing about that makes me tired i'm surprised that people <laughs> are doing that i thought that was all happening manually so good on the folks who are doing that um I have never personally touched the memory addresses of a game. Mm -hmm. And if God is merciful to me, I never will. <laughs> fair. That's extremely fair. 
I was in, in a past life. I was briefly an embedded software engineer, and so I did everything in C, in like bootloaders run by an angry man named Wolfgang. Who, if you asked him why does it work this way, he would say, "Why do you want to do it that way?" And that was much of my one year in, in, soft, in software engineering. So I definitely, uh, definitely understand that. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead. And start getting us uh, switched over. I just need to do a little bit of cropping uh, to get over into the window for the uh, the dog airport game. Uh, the game is actually open. I guess I can I can unmute it in the in the mixer and my volume mixer. But um, yeah, so just give me a second here. Uh, if you have any uh, any other broad speedrunning comments you wanted to hit me with while I'm doing this, feel free to do so. So. What what I'm really interested in is so like, what was the what was the moment for Dog Airport game that you were like, oh, I'm going to speed run this, and, and more broadly, like, what are those moments in other games? Is it different, or is there something that always a consistent thing that when you see it, your eyes light up, and a light bulb goes over your head, and you're like, ah, I know this. I think the the thing that I would say, and I, I have a, I mentioned before, I, I like to you know look back at like fifth, sixth generation games, especially you know like licensed ones, ones that are kind of silly. And the, mm. the the thing I always say, because uh, I have some you know some speed friends who do this with me, and the thing I tell them, I tell them, look, if you want to exploit things, you gotta have features. Features are the essential ingredient. Without features, like, like for a, a common test, if it's a first person game and you can't jump. That's a red flag. <laughs> Jumping is one of those things that, for whatever reason, uh, you know, there are, there are certain games... Now, I will say there are certain games that don't let you jump that still turn out to be okay speedruns. Uh, one of my one of my uh, speed friends runs the, um, the 2003 RoboCop first-person shooter. No jumping. But actually... That's a tough game to also play as a human being. <laughs> I played it. It is interesting. Uh, I mean, it's also one of those beautiful, beautiful games that they re- they released for consoles and then made a PC port. And then at the time of PCs of the era, they said, this is fine as is. We don't really need to do anything more. But computers got faster. Uh, and, you know, I, there's a lot of gamers who complain about FPS stuff. And I fall asleep because... My goal as a child was to make games crawl to low FPS because I love banging things together and having them explode. So the idea that you would want things to be smooth is anathema anathema to me anyway. I don't really... (laughs) I'm not really concerned with it. Anyway, in RoboCop, uh, you take a tick of flame damage and when you're in an explosion for every frame. So if you have a lot of frames, you die real fast in explosions. (laughs) Good and bad. Depends on who's in the explosion. Oh, that's so interesting. There's a bunch. Of, there's other games like that too. Oh, another one. Uh, my uh, another uh, bunch of us worked on the Miami Vice 2004 licensed game, uh, which was a real a real experience. And that game, uh, the it, yeah, if you if the frame rate was too high, you just couldn't move. But if you put the frame rate in like a nice sweet spot, like between like 200 to 300. You could just kind of like wiggle onto things and just wiggle through doors, uh, but you had to have like a real sense for it. you had to, like you had to do. I mean, I don't know if you ever seen like uh, like like proper like uh, uh, what do they call it Stra- uh, strafe hopping. There's a thing in Source Engine games where you jump forward bunny hopping, 
And as you do it, you strafe and kind of weave back and forth. And what you're doing is adding extra speed because you're getting a sideways or diagonal component to your speed. And that enables you to travel farther than you would otherwise. Um, And so that's, you know, that is, uh, but it's like that, except we were just clipping through doors. It was very, it was very fun. I had a lot of fun with that one. That was it. That was actually that was one that we uh, that my my buddy uh, Casey Fruit did for SGDQ last year, uh, and I got to do commentary for it, which was uh, which was a good time. Uh, it was a good time, except for when uh, the game crashed because of um, Discord streaming. I don't know how often you use Discord streaming, but uh, Miami Vice did not appreciate being hooked into Discord. <laughs> it was a problem. Uh, it's. Uh... I'm, I'm looking at... I was expecting um, Mercenaries Playground of Destruction to have mm-hmm. an active uh, speedrunning community considering how many verbs... Oh, that's got a lot of verbs, yeah. Uh, ...you've got and how many... Uh, yeah, actions, freedom of, of, inter- of interaction, faction interplay. This could get really wild. Um, and... Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's got, it's a, got, it's a, few. got a little something there. Yeah, it was actually, I, I, that's one of those leaderboards. I, I, I keep a big spreadsheet of like open world crime games because it's just an interest of mine. And that's definitely a leaderboard that has benefited from uh, Xbox backwards compatibility. I'm pretty sure the more recent runs in that are done on, on Xbone, I think. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's done it on Xbox Series X yet. That would be cool. I haven't checked it that recently, but... They're all Xbox One, Um, and yeah, you can instantly see like there's a few things logged five years ago, four years ago, then suddenly ten months ago, one year ago, one week ago, Mm -hmm. uh, five months ago, three months ago, you suddenly have uh, win platforms. We we talk a lot about developers, but I think you can see there on a platform level, suddenly, even for the speedrunner niche this interest can arise around a game if it can is even just available again mm-hmm. just let people play the game again 100 percent, yeah um, absolutely def jam fight for new york is one of my favorite games of all time uh and you know it, it's 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 getting speed ran to a degree uh, there's a, i think there's a competitive the most, community for that too isn't there there is a competitive yeah. community for that but the hardware any percent and the emulator any percent, there's a giant cha- shift in how many people are battling over those charts. Mm. Because, you know, you have to get a hold of a PS2 or an Xbox, uh, or you've got an emulator. And as, I think there is a lot of people who want to get into games legally, yeah. especially because it's usually more convenient. Uh, we've seen this in the advent of streaming services. As much as we complain about more streaming services, there are people using even the lesser-known streaming services because it's you, you put your credit card into yet another thing, and maybe you just do the free trial for a month. But like that is easier than going to a torrent and then rolling the dice and then sucking it up to your machine. People want to do that, but in games, so many of the avenues to do that in uh, reasonable uh, slash non-piratical means are locked off from them. Um, so I applaud uh, Xbox backwards compatibility and I hope that this is uh, 
I hope that this continues because without it, we're going to run into a really weird instance as soon as a whole lot of Xbox One and PS4 games are no longer completable. Because mm, yeah. um, this is the first time that much like a PC game library, people have been building up their PS4, their Xbox game library with an expectation of carrying that forward. Um, and I have an odd feeling that those expectations might be betrayed maybe when the Nintendo Switch 2 comes out. Mm-hmm. Whenever that does come out, if it ever comes out, I, yeah. Who I have concerns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to to see how that, that all goes. I, I, I don't think, not that I'm an expert of industry, but the the journey from where we were in the late 2000s to where we are now in terms of like digital availability of older games i could never have predicted i mean as an example i'm someone who speedruns the original ps1 armored core games using pstv you know as a official way to do so easily acquired etc etc the vita was fantastic for playing ps1 games i used it as a ps1 machine Oh yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's exactly where it, where it lives for for me as well. And and you know, I, I would love it to work right out of the box. I know adrenaline exists, uh, but you know, that's a lot of work, a lot of tinkering. And you know, I would I would be happy to do do whatever you know to to have a nice PS One box, right? Like I don't know. It's I'm sure we could we could talk about this endlessly. But we have a speed run that I'm gonna I'm gonna demonstrate now. Do you have the stream up at all or? I do have the stream up. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at the at the main menu. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's get let's get right into it. Uh, let me put this. All right, all right. Well, let's. Uh, of course, this this is. I, I when I opened this, I'll tell you another thing. You want to ask about when I knew I could speedrun this game is when I saw there were sleep. I, I said this already. When I saw there were save slots, I knew I knew I could speedrun this game. That's. I, I came from a generation where before we had all your fancy profiles. Uh, there were save slots, and when newer generations came around, it was like you have profiles, so you don't need profile slots or like name your profile and then play your game. It became much harder to like share a console mm. with uh, other members of my family, so I I try to bring slave slots in anything that I work on these days. I, I have I have not yet actually speed run a seventh generation game. The one time I tried was learning Crackdown, and to do a proper Crackdown new game run. You would have to make a new profile every time because in that game, uh, achievements would give you bonus experience that you could use to upgrade your character. And so that meant in order to do a proper new game route, you had to be able to get those achievements. Oh, no. (laughs) So that was was a rude awakening. You see how that arose, right? They're like, hey, we're going to use this achievement system to benefit players. That's super cool. But also... Dear heavens! Oh no! <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's at least on 360. It didn't seem too inconvenient. I didn't actually do runs, so I didn't actually live that life of you know resets and and doing that. But uh, all right. Well, I think that's about all I had planned uh, for this escapade. Uh, Zalvir, thank you so much for giving me this time. It's very generous of you. Uh, it was a delight watching this. Uh, I am look balls is apparently still available in certain oh, places. There you it go. hasn't been acquired either. Like it's still an independent 
They have purchased other energy brands, including Strut and Rut and Quunk Energy Drink. There you go. That's all we need to know. Thank you so much for showing me the speed. How, how, how long was that? Did that speed run end, end up being? That ended up being like thirty-eight minutes. Uh, so pretty, okay. pretty long. I did, I did, I did have a timer running in the background. Um, you know, it was mostly, especially when I when we got so many unusual gates. Like so often, Beachwell will give me one of the four B gates, and I mean not Beachwell, Marinara Trench will give me one of the one of the B gates, and that's easy peasy, you know, because. Because either you teleport back there after talking to Krista the first time, you're just passing through, so you just get your gate, or you're talking to Krista by the vending machines near the the ticket terminals anyway. So you know you just don't go anywhere. Like that's just that's just easy to do. Um, kind of the same thing with Pat'sville too. Getting the having to actually do one of the 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 the, um, the boarding gates in the tower, pretty unusual. Usually you can get any of the other ones, and <laughs> and I know where those all are. So, but again, it's just, you know, it, it's, it is very much like you were talking about with someone who knows an airport, which is to say, you know, if, if you memorize where all the gates are, that informs so much of how you move about the space. Yeah, just, just even like the mesh memory, you might even call it, of just like, this general area is where th- these kinds of things are. It, mm-hmm. it changes a lot. Um, yeah, and, and again, I just can't think enough. This has been delightful chatting about all this with you. Uh, I've learned a lot, and also, I got to see the speedrun in real time! This game Pretty is... Cool. Uh, this is a fun game. Yeah, this... this. It, well, I appreciate you saying so. What I was going to say is, uh, this game is far faster when played by other people. <laughs> and in the last days of development especially, we had to run through the game over and over and over again. It always takes us like a couple of hours and here is Magic Incarnate. Uh, would have made this te- that testing process much much faster if we were uh, speedrunners instead of game developers. I mean, that's, you know. that's the real message of today. <laughs> make, it, make a video game. Plunge yourself into oh, hell. No, I. I and when t- it comes time to test your game, you'll be so fast. I maybe yeah, maybe that's the maybe that's the thing. I don't know. Maybe that'd be better. It's I I have a, a fascinating day job that I can't confess to on stream that that, that probably keeps me from doing that. But uh, maybe maybe someday. Uh, well, wait. Okay. Well, while, on the subject of development, though, I did want to give you a chance to plug your stuff. I know we already kind of talked about El Paso elsewhere generally uh, early on in this recording, but uh, I know you do a bunch of stuff. Where should people be looking for your things? Tom slash Rit Nelson is a way to follow uh, a lot of horrible puns as well as uh, our work in general. Uh, the current strange scaffold projects are an airport for aliens currently run by dogs, which you can get at 10% off during the Steam Summer Sale right now. Space World Organ Training Simulator is coming this fall. And uh, El Paso Elsewhere is coming in 2022. I'm also the narrator director on Skatebird, which comes out August 12th. That's soon. Not that far yeah, away. Yeah. Uh, it has a full story mode and campaign, which also has been built to be broken. So uh, looking forward to people playing that, experiencing I, it. I have a buddy who uh, who speed ran Razor Freestyle Scooter at, at a GDQ, uh, which is, of course, the licensed... Uh, PS1, N64, and Dreamcast game based on the Razer Scooter license. Uh, and I'm 
been trying to convince him. He was he did not like the early demo, whatever the first demo was. He was uncertain about it, but I have been preaching it, and I hope to persuade him. I'm, I'll probably check it out myself. Hopefully, I played I played a few extreme sports games. You know, I, I was there with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three in 2002, but <laughs> uh, so and I'm looking forward to that. It should be fun. Sounds like a blast. Uh, until next time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care, folks. Take care.